Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Manna for Breakfast. It's really nice to have you guys here today. And I was just looking into this day in history trivia, and um, strange, very, very little things, very small amount of things happened. There was a train wreck on this day near Tennessee, 19, I didn't get the date, 30-something, 40-something. Anyway, it was pretty bad, 100 people killed in that. So I was looking around, I didn't see much, so I thought, because... um, I'm sure there is, but it just didn't have much there. thought I'd look over into the dad jokes so we can get a couple of dad jokes in before we get started this morning. As you can see, we're in 1 Kings 2 today and Acts chapter 13. Why does Sherlock Holmes love Mexican restaurants? That's a good one for down here in Mexico. <laughs> they give them good quesadillas. Quesadillas. <laughs> Case ideas, yeah. <laughs> that was clever. Um, the World Tongue Twister champion just got arrested. I hear they're going to give him a really tough sentence. <laughs> that was good. Why didn't the leopard hide? Because he was always spotted. <laughs> that makes sense. Total sense. Okay. So, now that I've got you totally messed up on dad jokes. Um, we will look into First Kings this morning. By the way, the weather here is still quite nice. Um, it is, you know, 79 degrees right now and with the humidity, but because of the rain, it still feels fresh. It's not that bad. I was surprised that getting up this morning, opening up the doors downstairs, letting the breeze come through, didn't have the air conditioning on. I was fine. So it's kind of nice. So we will move over into the word today, which is 1 Kings chapter 2, Acts chapter 13. Father, thank you for this morning and allowing us all to be together. And thank you, God, for those that are that are coming in for the first time, perhaps. Thank you for the fellowship of believers everywhere and how we can grow. And iron sharpens iron, God. We just desire to keep in your word, keep growing and encouraging each other in it. So we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. First Kings chapter 2. As David's time to die drew near, he charged Solomon's son, saying, I am going the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and commandments, his ordinances, his testimonies, according to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn, so that the Lord may carry out his promise, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons are careful of their way to walk before me in truth with their heart and with their soul, you will not lack for a man on the throne of Israel. Now you also know what Joab the son of Zeruiah did to me, what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner, and to Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed. 
he also shed the blood of war in peace. He put the blood of war on his belt about his waist and on his sandals on his feet. So act accordingly to your wisdom and do not let his gray hair go down to Sheol in peace, but show kindness to the son of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and let him be among those who eat at your table, for they assisted me when I fled from Absalom, your brother. Behold, there is with you Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, of Bahurim. Now it was he who cursed me with a violent curse on the day I went out from Mahanaim. And when he came down to me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now therefore do not let him go unpunished, for you are a wise man, and you will know what you ought to do to him, and you will bring his gray hair down to Sheol with blood. Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. The days of David reigned over Israel for 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and 33 he reigned in Jerusalem. And Solomon sat on the throne of David his father, His and his kingdom was firmly established. Now Adonijah the son of Haggith came to Bethsheba, the mother of Solomon, and she said, And do you come peacefully? And he said, Peacefully. Then he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, Speak. So he said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel expected me to be king. However, the kingdom was turned about and become my brothers, for it was his from the Lord. Now, I am making one request of you. Do not refuse me. And she said, Speak. Then he said, Please speak to Solomon the king, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abishag the Shumanite as a wife. Bathsheba said, Very well, I will speak to the king for you. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah, and the king arose to meet her, bowed before her, and sat on his throne. Then he had a throne set for the king's mother, and she sat on the right. Then he said, I am making one small request of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, Ask my mother, for I will not refuse you. And she said, Let Abishag the Shumanite be given to Adonijah, your brother, as a wife. King Solomon answered and said to his mother, And why are you asking Abishag the Shumanite? For Adonijah ask for him also the kingdom, for he is my older brother, even for him, for Abiathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, May God do so to me, and more so, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord lives, who has established me, and set me on the throne of David my father, and who has made me a house for his promise, surely Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon sent Benaniah the son of Jehodiah, and fell upon him so that he died. Then to Abiathar the priest king said, Go to Anathoth, to your own field, for you deserve to die. But I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord before my father David, because you were afflicted in everything with which my father was afflicted. So Solomon dismissed Abiathar 
from being priest to the Lord in order to fulfill the word of the Lord, which he had spoken concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. Joab executed. Now the news came to Joab, for Joab had followed Adonijah, although he had not followed Absalom. And Joab fled to the tent of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. It was told King Solomon that Joab had fled to the tent of the Lord, and behold, he is beside the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaniah, the son of Jehodiah, saying, Go fall upon him. Then Benaniah came to the tent of the Lord and said to him, Thus the king has said, Come out. But he said, No, for I will die here. Benaniah brought the king word again, saying, Thus spoke Joab, for thus he answered me. The king said to him, Do as he has spoken, and follow him, and bury him, that you may remove from me and from my father's house the blood which Joab shed without cause. The Lord will return his blood upon his own head, because he fell upon two men more righteous and better than he, and killed them with the sword, while my father David did not know it. Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Jether, commander of the army of Judah. So shall their blood return on the head of Joab and on the head of his descendants forever. But to David and his descendants and his house and his throne, may there be peace from the Lord forever. That Benaniah, the son of Jehodiah, went up and fell upon him and put him to death and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness the king appointed benani the son of jodiah over his army in his place and the king appointed zadok the priest in the place of abiathar shimei executed now the king sent and called for shimei and said to him build for yourself a house in jerusalem and live there and do not go out from there to any place for on the day that you go out and cross over the brook kidron you will know for certain that you shall surely die. Your blood shall be on your own head. Shimei then said to the king, The word is good, as my lord the king has said, so your servant will do. So Shimei lived in Jerusalem many days, but it came about at the end of three years that two of the servants of Shimei ran away to Achish, the son of Makkah, the king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Behold, your servants are in Gath. So Shimei rose, saddled his donkey, and went to Gath. To Achish to look for his servants. Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath. It was told Solomon that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath, and he had returned. So the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and solemnly warn you, saying that you will know for certain that on the day that you depart and go anywhere, you shall surely die? And you said to me, The word which I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord? and the command which I have laid on you. The king also said, Shimei, you know all the evil which you acknowledge in your heart, which you did to my father David. Therefore, the Lord shall return your evil on your own head. But King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaniah, the son of Jehudiah, and he went out and fell upon him so that he died. Thus the kingdom was established in the hands of Solomon. Difficult being a king. Difficult to establish a kingdom on the political realm, certainly when you have enemies all around you. This seems to be more of a case of God's 
judgment that it was just political um, positioning. Obviously, when the king came into power, those who had laid claim to the throne before him or those who had been a part of trying to set up another king um, other than the one in power were often killed because of their either um, rebellion against the established king that was to be anointed or the fact that they um, themselves were, were, were trying to steal the throne away. So that was normal. But what happens here is David is dying. David's going to uh, go to be with his father. He's going to go to heaven. And he tells Solomon, look, don't forget all of these men who sinned against God. David had a heart after God in a very powerful way. And to um, sin against God, to curse God, to curse God's anointed or what God was doing was very, very serious to David. And the one principle we learned here very clearly is judgment delayed is not judgment denied. These men all had the judgment of God delayed in their life. And they're thinking, hey, I got away with it. I can curse God. Hey, look what happened. I cursed David. Nothing happened. Or Abiathar, you know, I, I can, I can, align myself with the guy that's gonna that, that can have power and help me out politically um you have all, all of these joab who who had killed two of david's men who, who david had um anointed or kissed son and and david told him not to and he did anyway and he's thinking hey i don't have to listen to this guy i know it's right and so the the whole issue of lack of obedience of um, servanthood, of listening to their king and doing as the king commanded, being faithful to him. And so many of these people in, uh, got away with it. They thought, I got away with it, even when the, there was a, a threat directly to the throne of David, and David did, did not kill them immediately at all. They thought, okay. And, uh, and then the condition for Shimei, to not leave Jerusalem. Okay, look, I'll, I'll extend you mercy. But there's a condition of this mercy. Once you cross over that line, you've brought judgment of God upon your own head. So you have the issue of the delayed judgment and also the conditional judgment that as long as you abide by my command, you will live. And they rebelled and initially. And I, I mean, this is serious stuff. And... It's um, fascinating to read about in the Old Testament, but we see the, the principle is still true because the principle about usurping the lordship of Jesus Christ is all over the place. There are people, I'll be dealing with that tomorrow, about false teachers in uh, church. But the idea that you can um, deny and, and come against Jesus as Lord and follow another king uh, a king that rise, wants to rise up in his place to take your allegiance and follow him instead of Jesus as Lord and King and Savior of the universe. And they think, hey, hey, nothing happened to me. I can get away with this. Now, obviously, the, the non-Christian never has really that even mindset. They, they're not even acknowledging that Jesus is king. But really, I guess it's more serious for the believer that started out with uh, acknowledging Jesus as Lord and Savior, their king, and then goes off into some sin, into some rebellion, or falling into some new, weird, new age, something, theology, some uh, getting off into some weird area, some fringe idea, and thinking, well, hey, 
um, uh, nothing's happened to me, especially when it's getting involved in sin issues, uh, whether it's pornography or, or, or adultery or getting starting to party all the time and, and uh, being unfaithful to your, to your mate, you know, to your wife or husband. And, and then we see these things starting to snowball and, and things continue to spiral down in your life. But, but oftentimes you're not seeing direct judgment of God and you're thinking, well, he hasn't done anything. It must not be that big of a deal. Uh-huh, wait, <laughs> judgment delayed is not judgment denied. You will stand before the Lord. And again, this is probably, this is on my mind because this is what I was studying yesterday in Second Peter. We're going to be talking about that tomorrow. And this is what Peter's point to these, to the brethren there, uh, the believers that he's writing to. He says, look, guys, you got to know this. God is going to judge these men that are leading you astray, that are telling you false ideas and false teachings. Do not follow them or go down that road. So with that being said, let's move over into Acts chapter 13. Now there were in Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simon, who was called Niger, and Lucius the Cyrene, and Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me... Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. And when they had gone through the whole land as far as Paphos, they found a magician a Jewish false prophet, whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimas, the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, You who are full of all deceit and fraud, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight way of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist of darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when they saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. But John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Now going on from Perga, they arrived to Presidion, Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the synagogue officials sent to them, saying, Brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. Paul stood up and motioned with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out from it. For a period of about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. When he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, He distributed their land as an inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. 
After these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, the man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. After he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. For the descendants of this man, according to the promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance to all people of Israel. And while John was completing his course, he kept saying, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he, but behold, one is coming after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brethren, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophets which they read every Sabbath, fulfilled these by condemning him. And though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. And when they carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children, in that he raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessing of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to undergo decay. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Therefore, take heed so that the thing spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffers, and marvel and perish. For I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. As Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. And when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. Verse 44. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life 
believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The first missionary journey of Paul. Paul, by this point, had been a Christian up somewhere around 13 years. We, we think of Paul just getting saved and boom, he's right out there. But he spent three years in the wilderness with Jesus. He got trained up personally. He spent a long time in Antioch. I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, we don't know, but re-examining the scriptures, reading the Old Testament again in light of Jesus Christ, looking at every aspect of it, and getting, um, going through the training again as a Pharisee, but this time as a Messianic, Christ-believing Pharisee, and looking at everything very, very carefully. And so he ends up, of course, Barnabas calls him over to Antioch, because he's, I mean, yeah, to Antioch, because he's in Tarsus. That's where he was for a long time. Barnabas, all these people start getting saved. So Barnabas goes over there and says, hey, Paul, we need you. Barnabas, son of encouragement, he realizes that God is raising up Paul. And this is this great theologian, if you will. This knows the Old Testament, what they still call the Bible, inside and out. And so he goes and gets them. He says, we got we to gotta minister to these guys over here. So they come over and they see this great salvation. And they um, stay there and they're ministering there in Antioch. And all kinds of people are growing and getting saved. The other brethren that are there see that, that Paul and Barnabas, pretty amazing team, God's really using them. And they, Peter's, you know, explain that, you know, God's opened up the door for the Gentiles. They know that the door's been opened up. And so now they feel the Lord tell them, send them out. So now Paul goes out. It has this amazing, amazing journey where he just starts expounding the, to the Jews and to the proselytes, to the, to the Gentiles who knew the whole Jewish history and, and, and knew that the God of the, of the Jews was the right God. But, of course, they were being taught they had to seek it through the law, through salvation, through sacrifice, and, all, and the high priest and obedience to the law. But he shares with them and says, look, here's our history. God did all of this for us so that he could raise up Messiah. John was told you who he, that he was coming. You saw that there was repentance. This must have really moved them because just about all the Jews believed that John was a prophet, a great man, and that he did speak about the one coming after him. And then he says, look what happened. You guys heard about the cross. You heard that he was crucified, but he rose again. And this is the power of his message. This was probably the one thing that they had not believed or heard they were maybe thinking, nah, but basically Paul is saying, no, he rose. And Paul, while he didn't share it here, I don't know, maybe, I wonder, how could you not share at some point, oh, and by the way, he showed himself to me. He'll do this later in another part of Acts, but Jesus personally came to me, revealed himself to me. And as a Jew said, what are you doing? Knocked me to the ground, made me blind. And woke me up. And of course, we see Paul <laughs> knocking another person. Well, not him personally, but we see Paul being opposed by a false teacher and um, calling blindness down upon him. 
because he was opposing him. He was he was experiencing what he was. <laughs> Paul was experiencing another Saul coming against him and and trying to and take away or not cause the proconsul to believe his word. And so God, I'm thinking God, the Holy Spirit said, mm, go ahead and do what I did to you. Make him blind for a while. That'll wake him up. So it'd be interesting to, to see if, be nice to know what happened to this um, magician after he came out of this. He certainly found out where the real power lied in the universe, which was with God, his word. So we see these, this phenomenal, beautiful sermon that is preached with power. And so many people believed that they said, come back again. And then we see this huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit and people are getting saved in large numbers. It doesn't say how many, but a large number of people. It's so much that the Jewish power structure, the leaders, when it says the Jews, it's really those in power get upset about it and come against Paul. And of course, this begins Paul's persecution on his missionary journeys. Now, Charles Spurgeon, faithful and useful, my eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. Psalm 101, verse 6. If David spoke thus, we may be sure that the son of David will be of the same mind. Jesus looks out for faithful men, and he fixes his eyes upon them to observe them, to bring them forward, to encourage them, and to reward them. Let no true-hearted man think that he is overlooked. The king himself has eyes upon him. There are two results of this royal notice. First, we read that they may dwell with me. Jesus brings the faithful into his house. He sets them in his palace. He makes them his companions. He delights in their society. We must be true to our Lord and he will then manifest himself to us. When our faithfulness costs us most, it will be rewarded. The more furiously men reject, the more joyfully will our Lord receive us. That's a neat idea. Next he says, of the sincere man, he shall serve me. Jesus will use for his own glory those who scorn the tricks and policies and are faithful to himself. His word and his cross, these shall be his royal retinue, the honored servants of his majesty. Communion and usefulness are the wages of faithfulness. Lord, make me faithful that I may dwell with thee and serve thee. Good prayer and good commentary. Father, God, we do pray that. We do desire to be faithful. We do desire that we might be found worthy to serve you, but we know that the requirements is to set our minds upon you, to put on your righteousness, take off our own, and stop trying to be self-serving, but to be Christ-serving, to look to you and, and ask you to be Lord over every aspect of our life. And God, I thank you. Thank you that you are doing so many wonderful things like that. Just continue and um, to to raise us up and guide us in those areas. God, do you want to lift up our brother Juan Carlos? We thank you he's still alive, that his heart's still beating, is in recovery, which is exciting, God. It's good news because they needed 
to see him pass the 24-hour mark. And so we are excited that you might be able to do something phenomenal in his life and bring him out of this healed. So we're still praying a prayer, God, of your miraculous hand upon him for his life and that you would keep him here for the benefit of us, for the benefit of his family, and to use him for your kingdom. We thank you for others that are going through serious things. We, we know that Larry and Kathy's grandson, his 15-year-old, also has a very serious cancer thing going on. We want to pray for his healing as he's in the hospital. We want to pray for those that have come out of the hospital, healing for Maria Elena and her eyes and different things. Uh, for Now for Carmen and her healing, God, continue that. And we pray that you would bless the service tomorrow, that you'd bring in the new people, bring in the harvest, God. We're joyful to see the new faces in the middle of the summer. It's very encouraging for us, and we thank you for the fellowship we have one for another. And help us, God, as we drive the vans out now and go pick up people, that it would be just a, a harvest, <laughs> a van, a van full of people that we bring in. Um, you would start exciting the people again. So we're coming out of this whole COVID slump. Excite people to get excited about you and be fellowshipping one with another. So we give you this day, God. We bless you for it, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. That will do it for this morning. And you guys, continue to read. If you are reading on your own on Sundays, it will be Psalm 37, Psalm 71, and Psalm 94. Okay? So keep that up, and we will see you in church tomorrow, 9 o'clock online. See you there. Bye-bye.